Hello, everyone. My name is Rodrigo. This is the Ether Podcast. And today I'm super excited because we are starting our podcast on our Kingdom series. And uh, with me joining me are two very dear good friends of mine, uh, Nathan Figueroa, uh, who is studying to sell his soul to the authorities because he <laughs> is actually a full, he's graduated from law school, uh, still has to pass the bar. Uh, so there's still hope for him. Just very well. dim hope. <laughs> and uh, also my other friend joining us is uh, Pequeño Juan. Pequeño Juan has recently become a father, but Ooh. since he is an old soul in inside him, he's actually become a grandfather. So both of them are here joining me, and uh, we are going to have a discussion about the kingdom of God. And uh, let me begin by saying this, and let me explain to you guys where this whole uh, idea of doing a kingdom of God series came from because I feel like I need to explain uh, so that we can have a good conversation. So over the past couple of years, I would say two and a half years, um, I have been sort of slowly making my way through to really understanding uh, what the kingdom of God is. And uh, I've done a lot of different readings. Uh, this all started uh, because I read a book uh, called Restoring, Restoring the Jewishness of Scripture, uh, written by a man who uh, feels, I forget his, the author's name, but basically the point of the whole book is how like, we have stripped uh, sort of the, the Jewishness of the Bible, even though all of the authors of the, of the Bible are Jews, and Jesus was a Jew, and Paul was a Jew and the apostles were Jews. And so this, that is a fact that we often ignore. But regardless, in that book, uh, one of the things that he talks about is, is sort of like the kingdom narrative of the Bible and how it is uh, one of the main narratives of the Bible and is one that most Christians sort of seem to overlook. And so that made me go, uh-oh, I am one of those Christians that seems to have overlooked this very important narrative. And so that's led me through a bunch of uh, reading all, all other stuff. Like I've read a lot of books by Scott McKnight and N.T. Wright. And sort of between these three authors, uh, I have really my interest in the kingdom of God has really peaked. And uh, I don't feel like I've fully arrived at a place in which I understand it completely. Not that you ever arrive at that, but I feel like I know a lot more about the kingdom of God now. But not only do I feel like not only what pushed this uh, – me wanting to do this series was it the fact that again the kingdom of god is one of the main areas of the bible and one that most christians don't fully understand and seem to necessarily i would say ignore how it plays into their lives this thing is the best way that i can put it but also this past year 2020 uh we are uh speaking we're recording this on january 2nd uh the new year just came and even though uh, nothing much has changed in the year uh, from 2020, 2021, um, this past year really made me see, I think, with all the turmoil of the election and all the racial uh, tension that we've had over the past year uh, and all the, the talk about, you know, Christianity and this being a Christian nation, I think it really made me see uh, that we just need to understand the whole concept of the kingdom better because I saw a lot of things out there that I was just like, well, this is not the kingdom of God. Like this is, you can talk about, you know, Christianity and this being Christian nation all you want, but this doesn't necessarily make justice to what God wants a Christian nation to be. 
So sort of those two things, uh, sort of like the current events, but also sort of my own study has really wanted me to uh, teach others and talk to others about like what the kingdom of God is. Now, let me say this, and I want to sort of open up in a second here. I'm going to give you guys a chance to to say a couple of things, but I, I just want to present to everybody that's listening uh, two scriptures that should make you realize how important the kingdom of God is. And these are scriptures in the New Testament. So I, I think one of the reasons why I think we miss so much on the kingdom of God is because most of us do not know our um, Old Testaments well. But even then, I feel like there's enough in the New Testament for at least to make you go like, oh, man, this seems to be a big deal. Do I really understand it as that big of a deal? And so the first uh, scripture that I want to read here is in uh, Mark 1, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so the reason why I'm reading this is because as Jesus opens his ministry, he opens it by claiming that the kingdom of God has come near, like it has now come. It is here. And if that is how Jesus is going to open his ministry, just saying those words, it ought to make us go, well, that must be important. And the other one, and I, and I did this purposely, like I sort of book-ended uh, the New Testament, if you will, reading Mark, uh, and this is in Revelation 1. It says, uh, I'll start uh, in verse uh, in verse instead the second half of grace of verse four it says uh, grace and peace to you from him who he is and he and, and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirit before his throne and from jesus christ who is a faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth now that is a huge title to give anybody like john who wrote the book of revelation is basically saying that Jesus is the king over all kings on earth, right? Like he is like basically the ultimate authority over all authorities on earth. And so these two statements, one where Jesus is saying like, hey, the kingdom is near, like repent and believe the good news. And what John says in Revelation, I'll make us go like, hey, this kingdom stuff seems to be a big deal. And so... uh Part of the reason this first episode, like part of what I want to talk about is like how, uh, like how do we, how do we miss this? Like, how do we not understand that like the kingdom of God is this important? So if you guys want to offer anything, I'm going to put my glasses on because my eyes are beginning to uh, sure. irritate me. I mean, I will too. Yeah, you know, I think, um, well, I, I think part of it, uh, certainly here in the U.S., um, Western world, I guess, um, we're, we're not familiar with monarchies, really. Uh, you know, even the monarchies that are around, um, just the, the culture surrounding it, it isn't very familiar. You know, like kings don't have the kind of, uh, rule and the kind of presence in our lives that they did then. So, so much of the conversation surrounding it, like, I, I think it's just hard for us to know how to even relate to it. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff 
could just very easily go over our head in terms of just the practical implication of, of, of authority and rule of a king over our lives. But, but I think the other part of it also, uh, I mean, this is certainly my experience, but for so long, I think I just assumed uh, that talk of God's kingdom is talk of heaven, right. you know, uh, and, and it's uh, like I always talked about, you know, one day like going to heaven as one day, you know, kind of being under his kingdom, you know, and right now I'm under the earthly kingdom, if you will. And, and the implication of his full kingdom, um, aren't in full effect yet. Um, so I, I think for a lot of people make that sort of distinction, you know, between like their lives here on earth and their maybe one day life in, in, inside of God's kingdom. Um, so that, that's, that's how I think of it. And I, I mean, that's how I've, I've thought of it for so long. And I think my, my understanding of it is starting to change, but I think that's why we've missed so much of it because you're right. You can't read the Bible and not pick up the constant talk of his kingdom. I mean, they literally starts in Genesis one, you clearly hear kingdom talk and it goes all the way through. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I can also see it as like, well, that was them. They were used to kingdom kind of stuff. Kings and stuff were sure. no longer, you know, so then you try to, uh, I don't know, modernize it maybe like make it applicable to our times today. Um, one corporation. CEO to rule all corporations. Exactly. Um, So I I think that's why we we kind of miss the depth of what God is trying to teach and and do through His kingdom. Yeah, for me, it's a it's a cultural thing. Um, Certainly, the culture of the church that I grew up with. There's there's just different focuses, and uh, and I think it's the natural inclination to focus, especially with the New Testament. But there's natural inclination to focus on these kind of like explicit commands, right? Explicit commands about how to monitor your life and how to treat one another and how to pursue your relationship with God. And this is the next step. This is the next level. Like for me, I, I think of, you know, Christianity or, or your walk with God. I think of it as its own entity with its own lifespan. So, you know, when you're starting out, you're young and you need that spiritual milk and you're focused on very practical things. Like first step is like, even when you're studying the Bible, first step is how do I stop sitting? What is sin and how do I stop sitting? And the next step, it's, it's start, it's starting to learn how to like actually love and how to love one another and like how to please God and things like that. And then there's, then it just gets to this place where it's like, all right, I'm not just serving, but like, I understand grace now at this point, like I'm doing this stuff because I love God and I love the love that He has shown us, and it, it, it's just tears and tears and tears of you going up. And this is the next step, I think, of uh, that that I'm not even at yet. This is the next step of I think the Christian faith, where you start to understand that this is a collection of letters uh, and stories written to a specific audience who had who had certain understandings in their mind. Sure. And so, if we take that next step to pursue those understandings, it opens up the scriptures in, in an incredible way. And even for me, for a long time, I was okay with leaving the kingdom of God. I had the same understanding as Johnny. I was okay with leaving it to the realm of the kingdom of God is heaven, but it's also somehow here and coming soon at the same time. Okay. Well, yeah, the Bible is just weird like that. It just says things that I don't really understand. Sure. Uh, but what Rodrigo is talking about that I'm starting now to understand is that if you understand how the kingdom of heaven, how the kingdom of God really works, it has actual practical implications in your life. 
if you actually went back to those times and you were in a kingdom and you were sub, uh, subject to the reign and rule of a monarch, it changes your life. It changes how you live. It, cha- it almost changes, how you, depending on the king, it, it changes how you talk. It, t- it changes how you treat other people, how you treat the people within your kingdom, how you treat people outside of the kingdom. Uh, and, and, and that's why like, I had a conversation with Johnny not too long ago that has opened the door to what is the kingdom of heaven and how my, mis- how, how my perceptions of it are completely misconstrued. And so I'm pretty excited about this conversation today. Um, if anything, and, and the conversations we'll have over the next you know, few episodes, I'd say, uh, if anything, I'll, I'll probably be asking a lot of questions and bringing the perspective, because I haven't done as much study as these two have, from, from where I'm coming from and from kind of like an unenlightened point of view. But, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think there's a lot there's a lot to dig into. And it's just the next step. Yeah. Well, let me let me um, let me talk about a few things, because I, I do think that it's important before we sort of open the 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 door to the to fully to not fully to more uh, more richly, let's call it that way more richly understanding the kingdom, right? I think it is important to sort of talk about like what leads to some of the misunderstandings or not or poor understanding of the kingdom. Cause I think I think step one is 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 ridding ourselves or at least be conscious of those things so that then we can really take it fully in, if you will. So on the one hand, uh I do think that the way I think that mo- the way that most people read the Bible does not lend itself to understanding big biblical concepts like the kingdom. And the reason why is because I think to more richly understand the kingdom, you sort of have to follow the story arc of the whole Bible. Yeah. And unless you do, then it's really hard to see sort of the magnitude of it. One of the yeah. things, um, one of the things that my study on the kingdom has done is like, now that I understand the concept, like I see it almost everywhere I read. Right. And it's not like something that I'm making up. Like it's literally like it was such a rich concept in the mind of the authors of the Bible. Right. That they don't necessarily need to outright say that it's the kingdom for them to talk about the kingdom. And so I think if, if, one, I think we need to change the way that we read the Bible and go from sort of reading the Bible from like a chapter and verse and verse by verse type way of reading the Bible to, to going to reading the Bible uh, as a story and really understanding yep. the story of the Bible. And in that story of the Bible, again, this whole narrative of the kingdom uh, is one of the main parts of that story. And this leads me to the other thing that I think is a big uh, sort of obstacle to us fully understanding what the kingdom is, which is this whole idea that um, the whole, the, that, that the whole entirety of the Bible is about sort of the salvation story and uh, sort of people being saved, if you will. And yeah. let me say this, uh, it is a very important aspect of the story of the Bible, like people's salvation and us being redeemed from our sin. Like it's all there. But I have heard many people say like that, that like people being saved is, is what the Bible is all about. 
And the reality is, is that is not true. Like the Bible isn't all about just the salvation story of the Bible. Like there's there's other big important narratives in the Bible. And again, I, let me make sure before I get in trouble. It is a very important uh, part of the story of the Bible is the salvation story. It is one of the main things that Jesus came to do. Yes. However, it is not the only big important thing that Jesus came to do. Like the narrative of the kingdom is there from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the time the Bible ends. This whole idea of God having a group of people through that he dwells with and through and he decides to partner with so that his blessings can then be spread to the rest of creation. Like that whole idea exists from the time the Bible begins all the way to the time the Bible ends. And so like God, if you sort of look at the story of the Bible, God is in this constant search for a group of people, right? That he's going to partner with to bring his blessings to the rest of creation. And the problem is that time and time again, the people... <laughs> The people fail, like people fail God. And so ultimately, like he is uh, basically faced with a choice of like, the only way I'm going to get to do this is that if I send my son to establish this kingdom forever, right? And so that is basically in, in a gist, sort of the narrative of the kingdom. And I've said it really oversimplified it, but that whole idea, and once you understand that that's the idea, like you can see it everywhere in the Bible. Like you see it with Abraham, you see it like with a flood, you see it with like the Tower of Babel, you see it with the kingdom of Israel itself, you see it with King David, you see it once Jesus comes, like it's all, it's all there. And I think part of the reason why I think it sort of gets lost is because we tend to, to say and think that the biggest and most important narrative of the Bible is that of the salvation story. And the other, yeah. I think, big thing is sort of something that you guys alluded already to is like a time and place problem. And that we think that the kingdom of God is like somewhere in the future and not here. But the, the, the way that the, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God is like heaven come to like heaven coming to earth and not earth going towards heaven. Like it's a it's a and it's also now. Like it's not, it's a time and place problem. And that again, we tend to think of the kingdom of God as someplace in the future when in reality, the kingdom of God is supposed to be here now. And God always intended for the kingdom of God, his kingdom to be here and now. And so um, I think those three things are like three big obstacles to like us understanding the kingdom of God. And I think if, if you're listening to this, those are three big areas that you're just going to have to be aware of as sort of we engage in this study of the kingdom of God, if you will. No, it's so true, man. You know, as you're talking, um, I was thinking about, um, yeah, how, how you're absolutely right. One of the major problems is how, how we have approached scripture in our culture and how some, I think many of us don't, don't really know how to do that the way it, it was intended. Um, and I include myself in that. Like, I think, I feel like I'm just learning how to even approach it differently in a more uh, maybe 
accurate way, if, if I can even say that. Uh, but I've been reading this book recently that, that has really opened my eyes to why, why so much of this happens. Um, it, it's called The Disappearing Church. But, but this guy, he, he, he talks about uh, how the Western world uh, has been influenced. The, the, the Western Christian world has been so influenced by like Gnosticism like these Gnostic views and it's kind of turned our, our, our society into like this post-Christian society. But like what, to make sense of all this, what, what he talks about is that this, these Gnostic ideas have seeped into the church in a way that many people don't even realize they're being shaped by something that's outside of, of God's way of viewing things. And, and two major components of the Gnostic belief is that one, it's all about like, us and it's all about making our lives better right, right? And, and which is why salvation has become such a a main focus of ours in, in america where i'm a christian because i want to be saved um and, and, and a lot of times it's done in a very sincere non-selfish or malicious way you know not on purpose like we're not trying to be selfish about it but we do emphasize so much of our own salvation and like i, I do this because i want to go to heaven. Right. Uh, so, but, but that, that is not a, a, a Christ like this. This is not a God like way of setting up his kingdom. Like he's not doing this. So every individual can want to go to heaven, right. right? Can want to be saved themselves. Uh, but that seeps into the way we read scripture. It's about my own salvation. And then another thing that seeps into it, that was, that was influenced by these Gnostic beliefs was that, Living this life is it, so much of it is about figuring out how to escape this life to go to a better world, right? Uh, and, and that has totally seeped into, seeped into the church, yeah. where we have this lens where it's like I live in this really imperfect world, and it's about me leaving here. And and, and real life, the the ideal life is outside of here, but that was brought in by Gnosticism. You know, where, where, where they viewed everything as imperfect and God somehow messed up or whatever it is. And like, we have to figure out how to get out of here. And for as long as we're here, we're not really living the way we're supposed to live, experiencing what we're supposed to experience. And that's into the church where, again, it's about like leaving earth to go to heaven. You know, these Gnostic ideas have totally shaped our, our, our approach to scriptures. When again, like none of that narrative is in the Bible. Right, the way God sets it up, it's not about wanting to leave here to go somewhere else. Hmm. What He's saying is, no, you can start to experience My kingdom here, and it's absolutely going to have the the eternal uh, implications, if you will, and, and it's absolutely going to have the healing implications, and it's going to make your life better. But your sole focus isn't to just go somewhere else and to go experience perfection somewhere else. It's not just so that you can save your butt. You know, it's not, that's not what this is about. Like those implications are there, but that, that is kind of like a, that, that is a, a product of what God is actually trying to do. You know, those things will take, you know, they, they will happen, but, but as a product, you know, um, not, not as a sole focus. And, and I think if we could start to like deconstruct some of these ideas um, and, and, and approach scripture maybe trying to put those ideas to the side, I, I think we will see that what God was trying to achieve was vastly different than what many of us are aiming for. Yes. 
you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I also sort of adding to what you just said, right? Like this whole idea, um, like I follow a lot of uh, churches and preachers on Instagram. Um, and a lot of these preachers are really good and they're really good preachers. But I feel like everything, at least everything they put on social media, right? And it's not like I'm going to, and I go and listen to their whole sermon. But I say this because uh, this is what they put on social media basically to to gather more of a following, right? What they put on social media is everything about what you're talking about, like how to make your life better. Yeah. And how sort of like the, the teachings of the Bible help you make your life better. And, and my big problem with that is like ultimately they make Christianity sound – like a self-help gospel you know what i mean like it just makes christianity sound like the only reason christianity is here on earth is just to make like your life better and i'm like no like i i understand yes there's there is a part of that right but like you know it's just like it it makes it it almost it it sort of robs the uniqueness out of Christianity because Christianity, if, if you just want to make your life better, right? Like you, you, Oprah can tell you how to do that. You know what I mean? Like the rock can tell you how to do that. There's another guy that I follow on social media. His name is Gary V, right? He gives a lot of like professional and life advice. He can do that for you because he gives really good advice. But if all you want to do is make your life better, then like ultimately the Bible is, is not going to be like it is an answer, but there's other good answers out there. Can, can, I, can I make a comment to that? Because I think this is where I have a hard time with this, knowing how to approach it. Because there's a part of me that looks at the Bible and I look, I look at the gospel and I look at what God has been trying to do. And I see it as it's meant to be attractive. Like yeah. God wants it to be attractive. He wants you to look at his kingdom and be like, my life will be absolutely better in his kingdom. Yeah. Like when Jesus comes, you read it in Mark 1, and he goes, you know, like hear the gospel, which is the kingdom of God. I mean, he's literally coming with like, hey, I have a message of good news. I have a message of a, a, an attractive new way of doing life under a new kingdom. Yes. So I look at that and I, Jesus is like, come have a better life. I mean, he's literally saying that. Yes. Right. So – I think it's supposed to be attractive. I think it's supposed to be something that we look at and we're like, yeah, my life will be better. Yeah. I, I think what, what God does is that he's like, look at Oprah, look at the rock, look at, look at all these people that you just mentioned who are offering a better life. But the truth is like nothing that they offer compares to what I can offer. Now, what, what makes it like a conundrum is that I think when there is a message of like life here is better my approach to it can be very selfish. It can be very much about my life. Now, I think what, what God does, which is what no one else seems to really do, is that he is offering a better life, but the way you get there is by not focusing on yourself. <laughs> the way you get there is by focusing on, on the betterment of other people, of your surrounding community, and, and the, the, the uplifting and worship of this one God. And, and he's like, if you can turn your eyes outside of you to, to me, which will at the same time allow you to, to see everybody else, you will experience all of this. But it requires this 
selflessness. It requires this, like, this is not about you. Right. Uh, even though you will experience all this and this should encourage you and excite you. And, and you know what I mean? So sometimes it's, it's just hard to have that sort of mentality because I know what I'm getting, but I'm not doing this. I can't do this if I'm just thinking about me. Well, you, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and so, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in another episode, but, but you sort of, you sort of hitting on this idea that, that I want to talk about in further episodes, which is, um, like, let me give you an extreme example. Like, take somebody like the Amish, right? Like, the Amish have decided, like, this world is so corrupt that we're just going to go and we're going to take our God and we're going to go live apart from from us. And I, I do think that there is uh, something noble in that idea, like not wanting to be corrupted by the world. And certainly there's a lot of, many, many scriptures in the Bible that you can point to that we're not supposed to be corrupted by the world. And so... And I'm not, I'm not saying this to criticize the Amish because I think uh, a lot of what they're trying to do, again, is very noble. But the one problem, it's, and it's the same problem that you're talking about, I think, ultimately, is that one of the things, and again, understanding the kingdom helps you understand this, right? God always meant the kingdom, right? He always meant the kingdom to be for the world. Like he meant the kingdom to be for the world's sake. Yeah. Right? Like the kingdom of God is supposed to be a light to the nations. It's supposed to be a blessing to the world. Like even when you look at the kingdom of Israel, when he's giving them their law, right? And even when you think about Abraham, he says like, hey, like I will bless you and your descendants and they will become a blessing to the nations. He tells the same thing to Israel. Like, hey, follow my law, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and through you I will bless the nations. Like the church is supposed to be the same thing, right? And I think and, – and, you know, basically what I'm, what I'm sharing with you about, like, these things that I see on social media is, like, ultimately, I think one of the traps potentially is that, like you were saying, you ultimately see Christianity as, as something for you. And the reality is, is like if you understand the, the nature of the kingdom, again, the whole nature of the kingdom being that it's, it's for the sake of others, right? Uh, and the nature of the king, right? And one of the things that also I want to talk about in, for, in a further episode is that the nature of the kingdom is upside down. Like the way that the kingdom works isn't the way that the world works. Right. And but one of the things that is supposed to be attractive about the kingdom, right? And and even Jesus talks about it. Like people will know that you are my people by the way that you love each other. And one of the the main ways in which he wants that love to be expressed is by our service to others, right? Yeah. Which is why like the whole John 15 and him washing his disciples' feet and saying like, "Hey, you're gonna do this to each other," right? And so this whole posture of like servitude is one of supposed to be one of the staples of the people of the kingdom of God, right? And I think in some ways, right, that is really hard to live up to. And in, in another way, talking about it being attractive, it's also like a very attractive thing, right? right. But I, I think it, it's, it's, it's not just sort of the wisdom, because there is a lot of wisdom in the Bible, right? It's not just only the wisdom on how to live life that 
is supposed to be attractive in the Bible, but it's also the life that we live. And it's not just like the life that we live, like, hey, we're happy and like we're not stressed and all this other stuff. It's like it's just, it's it's sort of the the impact that we're supposed to have in our communities is supposed to have people go like, oh man, like this is strange and it's good and I like it. You know what I mean? And again, like we, we can get more into this in, in when we talk about sort of the nature of the kingdom and stuff, but like but again, like I think ultimately we're talking about like we keep sort of coming to all these things, we sort of bringing these things up, right, that really get in the way of us understanding, like, what the kingdom really is supposed to be. And I think, you know, I mentioned three things. We're not mentioning a fourth thing. You know what I mean? And and I think this is part of my, this is part of the reason why I wanted to do this series. Like, there are so many things that I think without necessarily intending to, like, we have sort of put in place that really hinder our understanding of what the kingdom is supposed to be and really what God wants the kingdom to be here on earth. You know what I mean? And I think like, I think that's the alarming part. Like we just sort of, this whole idea, like one of the, when, when Jesus um, begins to teach um, and he f- finds a position, one of the things that he tells the Pharisees is like, Hey, you can't put like old wine into new wineskins. Like it's, I mean, new wine into old wineskins. Sorry, you can't put oh oh uh, new wine into old wineskins. Like at some point, like if we're trying to learn like this big thing, we sort of have to be aware of like you know what? Like there's some things here that I'm just gonna have to abandon for me to really understand this. Well, here's my question. Uh, you know, you're talking about that Christianity should be attractive. You're talking about that the kingdom and by extension, the church is supposed to be a blessing, not only to the people in the church, but also to the nations, also to our neighboring communities. You know, the reason it is that way in the Bible is because that's what the scriptures say. The scriptures say to love one another. The scriptures say to serve the poor. The scriptures say to serve the communities. And the scriptures say that there's times of refreshment and and that this is that the burden is easy, that it is awesome living with God. There are explicit scriptures that say that. Yes. What, what, does an, what does a retooling of the understanding of the kingdom do beyond just, you know, what is, is this just a deepening of my faith thing? Or is this like, like what will be the practical ramifications of completely understanding this and, and, and undoing like all this, I guess, willful ignorance that maybe many churches have? Uh, well, well, let me see. I don't know that undoing is the right word, but that I don't want to get into that because then we're going to have a whole conversation. <laughs> on and I know, I know you lawyer types. That is, a, that is a conversation you've been waiting oh, for. Just give me a reason to be here, Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, well, I think, well, two things. Um, I don't know. I think a richer understanding of the kingdom, right? I think in turn enriches everything else. And what I mean by that is like, you, you're right. Like serving the community and loving others and all that stuff, right? Um, those are things that the Bible calls us to do. And there's certainly things that, that Christ instructs us to do. But And I'll give you uh, a, a good example here. 
and I don't mean to to throw anybody under the bus. So I'm not uh, I'm not saying this as a as a point of criticism. I'm saying this as a point of illustrating what we're talking about. Uh, I think the problem becomes when because salvation, it, for example, right? Take the salvation narrative and the fact that the the esteem that we hold it as, right? Mm. And when people say something like, you know, uh, the, the Bible, salvation is what the Bible is all about, mm. something like that. the The problem becomes is like in in under that paradigm, if you will, uh, it limits. For as much as you understand that you're supposed to serve the community, right? having the mindset of like the Bible is all about saving people limits your ability to fulfill both things. Right. So okay. if I see the, the story of the Bible and what Jesus came to do as ultimately coming to save people, right. Then that's what I'm ultimately going to aim for. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, like for example, I've been part of, um, I've been part of two – well, I'll give you two anecdotes. One is I, I was in a meeting, a really a, a really big high-end meeting with like a lot of really important church people, right? I was in a room with all these like really important church leaders, and the topic of serving the community came up, right? And – one of the things that it was said is like, why would we do this if it doesn't ultimately lead us to save souls? Oof. And we were talking about doing like a big, a big wow. like community service thing in our community. Right. And, uh, Basically, it was like, well, if this is not going to basically lead to more people being converted, then we're not going to do it. And I was like, no, like we should do this just because it's a good thing to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? But but if if your filter, if your paradigm is ultimately through the lens of the biggest thing and the most important thing is to save people, which again, let me reiterate, that's the very important thing to do and one of the things that we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. But but the whole idea of serving the community. Right. If this is the if this is the biggest filter you have. Right. Then ultimately you're going to filter out some of the serving the community stuff wow. as opposed to like, hey. One of the biggest narratives of the Bible is the fact that is the kingdom. Right. And the kingdom is supposed to be a blessing to the nations, Right. And therefore, we're going to serve the community because that is one of the things. One of the ways for us to be a blessing to the community, to the to the nations, is for us to serve our community. Mm. And then there's no conflict. There is no like, hey, we're only going to do this if it leads to more conversions. Like, no, like we're going to do this because we're the kingdom of God, mm. right? So there's there's that aspect of it. The other one is very recently. Obviously, we had like the whole George Floyd thing, right? And um, I have I have friends uh, that are members of different churches all over the country. The church that I belong to 
in particular, now let me just say this, uh, and I only share this about my friends because they had the same experience, is my church and some of my friends' churches were very slow to say something about everything that was happening with like the racial tension and all of that stuff, right? And I think that discouraged a lot of people. Uh, and certainly it did in, in my church. And and what, what I mean by slow is like it was weeks, like weeks after everything happened and like all the protests and all that stuff. It was weeks before anybody mentioned anything from the leadership group here in my church. And um, a part of the reason why it took so long is because they were trying to they were discussing how was the best way to do that. Now, this was never part of the conversation, uh, but I know that one of the reasons why is uh, because, like, when this kind of so, sort of, like, social justice things happen, right, the social justice thing doesn't fit within the salvation is the most important thing there is narrative. Like, it doesn't fit within that because if – if you're saved, it doesn't matter what, it's kind of like what Johnny was talking about. Like if you're saved and your home is in heaven, it doesn't matter what happens here, right? Like it just doesn't matter. And so like you have people that are not necessarily plugged into sort of the pulse of uh, what society is going through and through the, the pulse of culture and all this other stuff. And something very important like this happens and you have people of color and people who certainly have felt sort of the, the the racial tension in their lives and all this other stuff who are yearning for uh, who are yearning for the the people of their church to say something about it right but because it doesn't fit it doesn't fit within the the narrative the, the the main narrative that you sort of uh, say that you follow like it doesn't fit the salvation story right it's really hard to then say something about like all this social stuff, right? But again, one of the things uh, that the king of the kingdom is it comes to do, he's, he's a king of justice. He's a king who's supposed to come to establish justice on earth. So the whole social justice topic fits within the narrative of the kingdom, but it doesn't necessarily fit within the narrative of salvation. And so if you're going to overemphasize the salvation narrative and not really see the place of the narrative of the kingdom of God, then you run into a problem when those things come up. You know what I mean? And so, again, like I think it's not just a, a, an enriching per se, but it's, it's like a very it, – it, it almost is like you're ultimately on one level, if you neglect uh, – this big narrative of the kingdom of God that you're also neglecting part of your Christianity. You know what I mean? Like a, a few, about six months ago here uh, where I live, I did a, a whole series on the gospel and the gospel is also something that we misunderstand as a term. Right. And at the end of the day, and this so sort of goes hand in hand is it's part of the same conversation. Misunderstanding things like the gospel and misunderstanding things like the kingdom of God is not uh, is not going to result in a catastrophic failure of your church, right? 
but basically like a partial understanding of the story of the Bible is going to create partial disciples, right? Hmm. At the end of the day, like a partial gospel, right, uh, creates partial disciples and a partial understanding of the story of the Bible creates partial disciples as well. Like it, when you have disciples that think of the gospel as just a story of salvation and neglect the kingdom side of it and the justice side of it, right? Like you're ultimately sending people out there into the world who are bringing just part of what God really intended to bring to humanity. And I think that is a bigger problem. You know what I mean? Like you can go, I think you can go your whole life without sort of like the, the a rich understanding of the kingdom of God. And like, I think you'll live a good life, man. Like you'll be fine. I don't know that it's something that, uh, you know, I don't even know that it necessarily has anything to do with, with your salvation per se. I don't know that God will stand there and be like, oh, you didn't fully understand the kingdom and therefore no heaven for you. Like, I don't know that I don't know that I would go that far. But I, I do feel like in as far as like what God has intended to bring to humanity through his son and his disciples, right? we are all ultimately limiting that by limiting the the kingdom of god is basically i think the the biggest tragedy here hmm. so i hope that makes sense do you, would i mean do we have time for you to address what the kingdom approach to social justice would be or is that time is that for conversation for another time no we have we do and and again i think this this is uh going to be part of sort of the conversation of the upside down king yeah but one of one of the things that i think that it's uh important a is like when when the coming of the king was prophesied it, it was prophesied that he was going to be a king that would bring justice to the nations mm. right mm -hmm. and let me say this Biblically speaking, especially in terms of the Old Testament, justice usually means what happens to the to the to the oppressed and the downtrodden in life. Like, if you read the Book of Isaiah, um, sorry, the uh, Book of Isaiah, Jeremiah. What? I'm sorry. One of the I've, I've, I'm forgetting, but one of the, either Isaiah or Jeremiah, the, they're opening one of those two books. I forget which one. One of those two books, the opening chapters of the book, and you'll be happy to hear this, uh, Nathan, the opening chapter of one of those two books, and I, I please forgive me for not remembering which one, uh, basically reads like a lawsuit. And it's literally God bringing charges to the nation of Israel for the things that they have not done. Sue so, him. Um yeah, no, he's literally, literally, he is suing them, right? <laughs> he is judging them as a, as a judge in a court. Uh, and one of the charges, if you will, that he brings up against Israel is how they've treated the poor and the oppressed. Like, literally, one of the reasons why he's going to allow Israel to be destroyed is because how they've treated the poor and the oppressed and how justice is not being handed out properly and people have gotten away with things. Mm -hmm. And so when he sends his king, one of the things that he is going to do is that he's going to bring just justice to the world. 
And so when you think about that, when you think about like that is one of the things that the king has come to do, right? Then the whole social justice thing like totally fits within that. Mm -hmm. Like as members of the kingdom and as people being under this king of justice, right? We're supposed to be huge proponents of justice. Like we're supposed to look at like racism and go like, this is not just, you know what I mean? And, and, and again, within, within a kingdom slash king narrative, social justice fits like a glove, mm-hmm. but within a um, salvation only thing, it doesn't because we're not concerned for this world. You know, like even, and, and I don't make, I don't mean to take like a super political turn on this topic necessarily, but like a few years ago, I want to say like maybe three, no, seven years ago now, when uh, the whole topic of uh, universal healthcare was like the biggest topic of the day, right? I heard several uh, sort of Christian uh, figures, public figures, if you will say like, hey, why do we care about like healthcare if we're going to heaven anyways? Like be worried about like whether you're gonna go to heaven or not and then you won't care about your health, right? And again, like within a salvation only narrative, right? Like people's health doesn't matter, right? Completely ignoring the fact that like Jesus came and healed people, right? Like that's, that's one of the things that he came and did. Like completely ignoring the fact that that's what one of the main things that he showed up and started doing, right? But like for example, we should care about people's healthcare. Not again, not not in terms of a political matter. Like I'm not a, I'm not a communist here, right? But we should care about people's access to healthcare because like it's a matter of justice, man. Like people ought to be able to like heal themselves. Because, like, it's an important part of life, man. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we should care about that kind of stuff because, like, again, it's it's a just, it's, it's an issue of justice, right? Like, the only people that should be, be able to, um, like, take care of themselves shouldn't just be the wealthy. You know what I mean? Like, well, if, if we're going to care for people's humanity, like, we're going to care about their health as well. Being in the kingdom, what kind of justice are we empowered in 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 delivering and and biblically like are we does justice you you mentioned for the weak and the oppressed does justice mean that we just go and serve those communities or is there also room for the kingdom to administer justice in condemning unjust acts and unjust individuals well i think this is where there's there's some debate Mm -hmm. right and certainly i've not arrived at anything concrete in any of these things uh there's there's certainly the the sort of the advocating uh well it's a spectrum let me say that and okay. and again I, I think if if you did any of these things like i think you you're you're totally fine like i don't necessarily think any of these is necessarily uh an immoral thing but there's the aspect of like you know roll up your sleeves and go do something like serve the community Right, like do do stuff for like you know the homeless, do stuff for the poor, like meet people's needs. Right, there's that aspect of it. There's also the aspect of it of of sort of the more um, uh, activist part of it that that we should actively be promoting uh, things like um, 
uh, justice reform or things that have to do with racism, like all of that stuff. Like we should, we should out there be fighting for, for those things. Right. And then now you have people that say like, you know, don't get involved with that stuff. That's not really how we're supposed to do. There, there is no, like the Bible doesn't tell us like, this is not what you're supposed to do. Right. Like, I think we ultimately need to, need to figure out. And I think certainly as a, as a church leadership, I think they, they should ultimately figure out like, what is the best way for us to implement this whole justice thing? I do think that whenever like big, important uh, social things happen, like we should say something on those things. And by and large, we should be on the side of like the oppressed and the downtrodden. Like that's, that's just how I read the whole concept of justice in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I think we should be doing a combination or one of those things. Like I think there is the, the things that we speak against. And I think uh, we speak against actively. Uh, I think there is the like actual doing the work, but there's also like some um, quote unquote, like causes that we ought to push. Like, and again, now like you will find people all, all over the spectrum on things that this is not something that we should do. This is something that we should do all that kind of stuff. Now, let me say this too, though, and I think this is important and I think, again, part of another conversation that we're going to have more thoroughly in another episode, there, there, like, there is a way that we're supposed to do all these things, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus came and established his kingdom, but he did it in a very different way that most kingdoms are established, right? Like most kingdoms are established through military might and violence. Like that is that is how kingdoms sort of come to be and that's how they survive like that is how rome uh basically over hundreds of years established an empire basically under under violence and military might like that's how they did it right but that's not how we're supposed to do it Hmm. like we're supposed to sort of grow and advance the kingdom in uh very different ways and so like even for example uh, and I'm very tentative to say this, but I'm going to say it because we're talking about it. I think that even this whole idea recently of like Donald Trump being God's anointed and like all this other stuff, like I think one of the things that I've seen, um, and if you believe that, you know, Trump is God's anointed and all that stuff, like, uh, okay, if that's what you believe, I don't necessarily... I don't know that you can make a point for that or against it. Like, that's what you believe. That's what you believe. Like, go ahead. I don't, I don't, I don't have a thought either way. I don't necessarily agree, but that's okay. Like you can believe that it doesn't ultimately do anything for or against me. But I will say this, like, I, I do feel like one of the, um, one of the problems with sort of approaching, uh, sort of trying to gain Christian influence through something like politics, for example, right? Like there is no more human thing than politics, right? Like the word politics literally means like how to organize people. Like there is no human generated thing that says more human like than politics, right? And so the bottom line is that we're not going to advance the kingdom through human means. And so like if we're going to try to advance the kingdom through politics and putting a guy in office who's quote unquote God's anointed, 
like I don't know that 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 is the the route that we're supposed to pursue. And even if that is the route that we should pursue, how we pursue it, right, needs to be very different than how it tends to be do to do because now politics have not just become about influence the politics have become about have become an issue of power hmm. right so what i've seen a lot especially over the past like uh six years is not is is christians not necessarily going after influence is that they're going after power but power again is one of the human ways in which we gain and sort of spread influence and by definition by the definition of the kingdom that it should not be the way that we gain power you know what i mean like it just isn't like the way that 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 the kingdom is supposed to gain power is through love and service and sacrifice and nonviolence. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily through political means. And so like, again, and I, and I know that people out there are going to disagree with me and all that stuff, but, but again, like I, I'm not coming from an opinion, like I'm not, you know, I'm not a liberal guy. I'm not a, uh, a I don't grow granola in my backyard. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I eat meat, you know, like oh, whatever, like okay. <laughs> I'm not this like liberal crunchy dude. I'm saying like, I'm, I'm arriving at that conclusion <laughs> from, reading scripture right like we should advance the kingdom in the way of the king and again we can get we'll get more into detail into another episode but again all these are conversations i think this is a good initial conversation about like again sort of how we've sort of neglected this narrative and sort of the consequences of that neglect is that we've we've ended up with a very messy christianity and one that sort of is this is this loop if you will that the way that we understand christianity keeps us from really understanding the kingdom, which in turn keeps us from really understanding, like creating this messy Christianity. And again, I think the reason why I wanted to start with this conversation is because I think we need to identify some of these things that at least if we're going to begin to understand what the kingdom really is, we sort of need to set them aside for a little bit and be like, you know what, let me try to intellectually put these things aside for as much as, I, as possible to see if I can really understand this. Because again, like even something like me saying, I know that, you know, I say it because this is a conversation that we've had before, like this whole idea of like the salvation only gospel, right? I say that that's not supposed to be the full gospel and people, and I've, and I've seen it, like people sort of kick back on that idea, right? Because that is mostly how they've been taught what the gospel is. But like that is not the gospel of the Bible isn't just salvation only, like there's other things. And so... I've heard it from many places, like, you know, ultimately what matters the most is salvation. And, and, and it matters, and it matters a lot, but it's not the only thing. It's not the ultimate thing. There's a lot of things that belong in that place of, like, the ultimate thing. One of those things being the king and the kingdom. So. I want to ask you, if, if I don't know, if I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how it would come across. Or if you'd even know, uh, do you think that God has a preference, right? And what you're, do you think that God has a preference if he had to choose between another person hearing the gospel, hearing the news, and coming into the kingdom, committing to, to Christ over someone who's oppressed, 
and his people surrounding that person with love, but not, but them not understanding the gospel and not choosing the gospel. Uh, I don't know. I think that's yeah. a good question. Because, yeah, because, you know, I, I think about the conversation. This is my two cents on this specific sliver of the conversation. And John, is, he's been trying <laughs> with me. He's been trying out me. He knows that I'm uh, 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 very much, um, without the connotation, very much indoctrinated into a very specific mindset. Um, and he's sharing, you guys are talking about bringing the Jewishness back to Scripture and things like that. And obviously, there's a lot of merit to that, to the point where I also agree that um, I think the ICOC culturally has has really uh, interpreted certain doctrines in a in a way that might be completely wrong. Um, but I'm I'm resistant. I'm more resistant than I, I think either of you are. And you know, you guys, you're, you're talking about the salvation focus of the Bible. John is talking about Gnosticism and how it's affected us and. And then there's, you know, uh, you know, exegesis, which is reading these scriptures in its proper context, which are almost, uh, almost working against each other in a certain way. Because something that I'm thinking about, if, if today's society is looking at the Bible as this is a salvation story, this is what's important about the Bible, isn't, isn't that the point of the Bible? Isn't that, isn't that the point of it being living and active? And, and there's just this different levels and different approaches to the Bible. Of course, I think the idea of like, we need to really understand what the Jewish audiences and Jewish authors, how they were receiving the Bible, it completely transforms our, 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 our understanding. That I think is 100% factual. Um, but it's also thinking about like, we're talking, no, we didn't talk about that. But it, you know, if we were to talk about something about women's roles and how that applies to today's culture, it makes me think about, you know, how, how, how much of it do we go back on? How much of it do we apply to now? Like th this being like having that salvation focus and the fact that uh, exactly what you said, Rodrigo, of like the fact is as much as we can pinpoint and analyze some parts of the church culture that we believe is, is maybe not perfectly right, it influences our thinking. Well, Gnosticism is influencing the way society thinks, which might influence the way that the church brings the gospel to the society. Maybe the reason why you know, I'm thinking, this is my two cents, maybe the reason why there's such a focus on salvation is because right now, today, I mean, since the revolution of I, the revolution of me, self, you know, of, of hedonism, right, that, that this is how people are going to receive it. Like, man, can we really go out and can we teach and can we preach, hey, you know, kingdoms aren't dead. There's still a kingdom. Right. Choose, you know what I mean? And, and this is not to say, this is not to say, hey, guys, dial it back. This is just a, this is my two cents to that specific point of, man. This is this is where it's coming from, and I wonder I wonder where where do we go from here? And and like, if it's like a wide sweeping church reform type thing, or or if it's a deepening of our faith. But I will acknowledge and I will say like, that's that's something I need to understand. If somebody wants to have a conversation with me about, well, you know, actually heaven and hell, there's actually waiting rooms. There's Paradiso and there's Hades, and and, and like. <laughs> There isn't going to be a gold city. You actually turn into a ball of light. Yeah, we can have that conversation, but I'll probably be like, I, I mean, to each his own. You know what I mean? Well, go ahead. Sorry. But what you're saying is, is like that clicked with me of like a partial understanding of the Bible creates partial Christians. That 
makes sense to me. That validifies this entire pursuit of, of beyond, let me just enrich my understanding of God's character and God's nature. That's part of all of our journeys, trying to understand God's character and God's nature more. But this is now starting to part, become a part of like monitor your life and doctrine properly. Like if you yeah. understand the kingdom, like you saying that of like, oh, we're not going to serve these people because are they going to choose God, the, the poor? Like that that's mind blowing to me. And, 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 and I didn't even think about that. And I'm realizing like, yeah, that's exactly how it works. That's exactly how we approach it. So I, you know, I'm not to demean or derail what you're saying. Uh, it was just my two cents. I'm like, you know, where, where do we go with, I mean, the Bible is meant to be living and active. It is meant to, it, it's such a perfect God written text right? As much as I love going back and understanding these are written by people, it is supernatural and that it, it is capable of evolving and applying to multiple societies at multiple times and will be able to do so for a long, long time. And, 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 and who knows? And, and again, a really small part is like, this is, this is more of a confession of my trouble with reading the Bible, because again, there's all this context that they have. You know, what Johnny has pointed out to me is that in so many New Testament Pauline writings, like probably the number one concept that is talked about is unity, right? It's like, and if it's not, and if it's not explicitly unity, it's a lot of teachings about, hey, don't be divisive, which is unity, right. you know? And then he makes this point about baptism, where baptism, there, there's a lot of there isn't incredibly expository text on baptism. When baptism is brought up, it's brought up and it says, this is why you're baptized because of one, two reasons, like, like this sentence, this sentence, this sentence, and that's it. And so he's, he's talking about how our church today focuses so much on baptism and we talk very little on unity, you know, and it's, and it's interesting. Like, it, it just makes me think of like, you know, what do we pick and choose to focus on like the thing about the kingdom is the kingdom is something that has taken for granted. The thing about baptism is baptism. Once they were going and they were preaching word to word, the, the concept of baptism among the Christians of the first country of the first century became understood, which is why, which would explain why it's not so like forefront of the text. And so then it's like, this is where I try to be careful. And this is where I feel my hesitance and resistance to Johnny. It's like, we talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom is, is a taken for granted concept so that when you state the kingdom in the Bible, all the readers understand. So then it's like, we overemphasize baptism, even though it is spoken about relatively minimally compared to unity, but let's overemphasize kingdom which is taken for granted and not expounded on as opposed to salvation. And I think salvation is, I mean, that's one of the, it's, it's easy for it to become the main narrative because it is like saved, get saved. Like, like life is death, death is life. Like, you know, life in, in Jesus and things like that. And, you know, I'm not arguing, but just, you know, those are my two cents of like why people are coming from a certain place and why I'm coming from a certain place. Right. Well, and I think you, you actually uh, bring up a good, a good point. And let me, let me just say this. I don't think, uh, like, the the bad the bad thing. Well, yes, I'll call it the bad thing. The bad thing is not to uh, to emphasize salvation. 
mm. right? It, it, it's not because salvation is part of, it's a big part of the Bible narrative. It just is. Like there's no getting around that. Um, even Paul says that the reason why Jesus came was to, to save to save people. Um, the the bad part is to leave it at that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like in a society like the one that we have, right? And this has been true for hundreds of years now. To bring someone into the church through the narrative of salvation makes sense. It makes sense, right? Uh, what doesn't make sense is to leave it at that. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is that we have left it at that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation about the kingdom because um, because ultimately, right, even though salvation, ultimately God is trying to do something here on earth. And he has chosen the church to do it through. Mm. Right? He has chosen the people that have decided to follow his son to be in him to do so. And the problem is, is that when we... Uh, when we sort of get stuck on these things like, you know, salvation and um, all this other stuff, ultimately we're not, we are like shooting ourselves in the foot and that we're ultimately not, um, not achieving what God wants the church to do. And I think that in many ways is one of the big tragedies of this. And let me just close by saying this, because I think it, it is important for people to understand where this ultimately came from. I was always very disheartened. Uh, and, and just to give people without getting into a whole lot of detail, uh, my, <laughs> my Christian walk, right, uh, has been filled with failure. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and I, and I, don't, I don't mean that from a... Uh, from a moral, personal moral standpoint. Like, I, I feel like, uh, not that I'm a super moral person, but I, I do feel like I, I've, I've not had many, mo many moral failings per se, or big ones, let's just call it that. Uh, but like, I've been in ministry twice and have been uh, fired twice. I, uh, one of my, one of my most soul crushing uh, ministry experiences is I was leading a, a college ministry that for the year and a half that I was leading it, had a really hard time growing. And then I was fired. And then some dude came in and that ministry exploded, right? Uh, that was a really soul crushing experience. And uh, I have been many part of many churches who through the course of the time that I've been a part of those churches have gotten smaller and smaller, right? And, uh, both of those things have been uh, very uh, puzzling, if you will. And, and the reason why they've been puzzling is because I've read passages in the Bible in which Jesus describes the dynamic of the kingdom as being like, hey, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that like he falls in the ground, right? And it starts as this little seed. And then, like, it becomes this big old tree that, that birds can come and, like, 
sit on. The kingdom of God is like a pearl that a man finds and sells everything and gives up everything to be part of it, right? And like these, there's these extraordinary descriptions of the kingdom that Jesus describes, right? And that basically he's saying like, hey, the kingdom of God is supposed to behave in this way, right? The kingdom of God is supposed to be fruitful. The kingdom of God is supposed to be a thing that people like will give anything for. The kingdom of God is supposed to be like these things that just like constantly grows like a weed and you cannot stop it, right? And even though I don't think that the kingdom has been stopped in any way, right? I have not personally gone through kingdom experiences where that, where those descriptions of the kingdom have been true per se, at least not in the magnitude in which Jesus describes it. Which has really led me to, to ask myself is like, if this is the way that the kingdom is supposed to behave, right? And, and, and Jesus sort of like pronounces these facts as a matter of fact, like this is the kingdom, the way that the kingdom is supposed to behave. And I've not seen that. Then does that not bear the question of, have I really seen the kingdom? Right? Which oh. led me down the rabbit hole of like, then what is the kingdom? Like if, if the church that I've experienced, and I'm not saying that the church that I belong to or the churches that I belong to are not part of the kingdom of God. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is the churches that I've been a part of have not behaved in the way that Jesus describes the kingdom is supposed to behave, right? Which again leads me to the question of like, are we then really being the full-fledged kingdom? If the churches that have been a part of do not behave in this way, right? Like, is this, are we, are, are we really being the way that the kingdom of God is supposed to be? Which, again, led me to the question of like, then what is the kingdom? Like, what is the kingdom supposed to be? And so, again, I think ultimately, my big concern is that we, we may be putting ourselves in a place in which we are keeping the church from being its full-fledged self and behaving the way that Jesus described is supposed to behave because of a series of things, many of which we have talked here. But ultimately, like, I think we as Christians need to have the curiosity and in many ways the bravery to ask the question, like, what is the kingdom? Now, throughout this series, like, we are going to attempt to define what the kingdom is and sort of define some of the dynamics of the kingdom, like what are the ways of the kingdom, right? But I think ultimately the reason why I wanted to start here, talking about like things that sort of getting in the way of us uh, understanding the kingdom is because I think, I think we all should be asking ourselves this question. Like is ultimately what is described in the Bible, the kingdom is supposed to be, is that what I'm experiencing? Is that what I'm seeing? Is that what I feel like I'm a part of? Like, is my church, is my church, the part, the church that I'm a part of, is my church a blessing to the nations? Like when, when people walk into my church, they feel like, oh man, like these are the disciples of Jesus, right? And if, if you can, again, with a lot of bravery, and a lot of like uh, being objective as, as objective as you can, if you cannot answer a yes to any of those, then I think, again, you need to be asking yourself the same question. Like, is this really 
uh, the full-fledged kingdom? Are we behaving the way and are we being what God intends the kingdom to be? And so to me, again, ultimately, there is an aspect of this that is supposed to be enriching and it's supposed to be like deepening of your faith. But there's also an aspect of it that is like, man, like, are we being like what God intended to be? So, so yes. And with that, we will close uh, this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I know that it's been a lengthy conversation, but uh, hopefully one that you've enjoyed. And uh, tune in for our next episode in which we're going to talk about what is the kingdom. So thank you so much for listening and uh, go in peace.